just with Jerry Judy as an example, this guy had over 1,400 receiving yards in Bama, won the Belentikoff Award, had 14 touchdowns, and look how we're treating him now, not giving him the ball. He was the 15th overall pick, and he had two catches. Two catches. I understand we won the game. That's fine. And he, I bet he would rather win games and not get the ball too because he's a winner and he's been like that, even at Alabama. But a 15th overall pick getting two catches is straight out horse shit. It really is. It's really, really bad. Welcome back to another episode of the Broncos Avenue Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Amir Farrell, with my co-host, J-Mac and Jordan, with another episode at you guys this week. Um, the Denver Broncos are on a five-game winning streak. It is great, a great, great time to be a part of Broncos country covering this team. Uh, it's been a hell of a win streak, obviously. Um, the Broncos heading into uh, heading into Houston this Sunday. J-Mac will be at the game. We got a lot to talk about this week. Um, but before we go ahead and jump into uh, our, hopefully what will be our uh, sixth win in a row, we're going to talk about our previous five games um, where the Denver Broncos are on a, a little bit of a winning streak. As you guys can tell from the title of the episode, we're going to be talking about the biggest winners, uh, specific players on both sides of the ball that we believe deserve the biggest shout-outs and play just really, really good football over the last uh, five games and a big reason why the Broncos are on a winning streak. But before we go and jump in today's exciting episode, Jay Max Jordan, how are you guys doing? I'm doing okay. Um, allergies is kind of kicking me right now, but... Other than that, I can't really complain. I'm ready to talk about the Broncos. Oh, boy, Amir. Did I get some people riled up with uh, my latest stuff on predominantly orange? Oh, boy. There's a lot of people that are mad. Yeah, and actually, that's a good segue into uh, the intro of today's episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about our biggest winners over the last five games, but I actually want to talk about this because I saw someone on CBS Sports wrote about it. Um, I know, Jordan, you uh, you wrote about it, and it's, which is going really crazy right now on the Internet. Um, so uh, kudos to you uh, for that. So Jerry Judy, only two catches for 11 yards in the Broncos win, which is obviously the team's always going to come first. Right, I think we can all agree that uh, we would rather see a Broncos W than Jerry Judy 200 receiving yards. Um, but wouldn't it be better to see more uh, Jerry Judy targets uh, on Sunday? Like, what, what do you what do you guys uh, think about? I know Jordan, we all know what he thinks about it. Um, but J Mac, what do you think like about um, the Broncos winning, but only Jerry Judy having hardly any tar having like average three targets a game during the win streak? Um, I mean, I brought it up a little bit on the last episode. I feel like that he should be getting involved a little bit more than what he is. I mean, he's getting around like two to three catches a game, which I mean that's fine, but it's just the it's like the production that comes along with it. Like he's getting short catches, or like he'll have the one big catch for twenty or thirty yards, and then he won't see anything for the rest of the game. Um, I I I think that Sean Payton needs to get him involved a little bit more. I know uh, last episode I talked about this offense is kind of the sharing the ball around a lot. But um, I think you got to find a way to give him the ball, especially in the short game and the quick game situations. To me, he's still one of the better receivers in the league and, like, yards after the catch. I don't care what the stats say. I know how explosive he is. It's just you got to get him in some one-on-one situations and find a way to give him the ball because even though we're winning and he isn't getting the ball as much, I mean, I feel like we could be a whole lot more efficient on offense with him getting at least, at the bare minimum, five to six targets a game in – I feel like you can – the way the offense is, you can kind of give them the ball more, especially on first downs. 
that's kind of like the worst down that we are on the offense is first down. We don't really get anything on first downs. I want to see him kind of at least getting the ball and at least get some targets on those early downs, man. So that way Russ doesn't have to overcome a third and 10. Because even though, even though Russ has been really special on those third downs, it could be easier. And I feel like getting Jerry Judy the ball, whether that be on the outside or on the slot in the quick game, it'll go a long way. So I would like to first say that I will. I am a team guy over a player guy. And let me just get that out of the way now because a lot of people have been questioning that. I think I'm just so passionate about this because he's on my team. So if anything, that's a good thing for the Broncos. Second of all, uh, with my uh, my story, I understand why people are a bit upset just because the first thing when you do click on it, I literally wrote the Denver Broncos are providing an example for the rest of the league on how to ruin a young wide receiver's career. Now, yes, that is a bit of a uh, bold thing to say, but it is pretty ridiculous how it's come to this point. It really is. And I understand we're on a five-game winning streak. That does not mean that we still can't critique what the offense has been doing. It's not like this offense is perfect because it's not. It has its limitations, and Champagne is doing the best job he can with the offense. So I really don't even put this on pain to a certain extent because this Jerry Judy issue has been happening for four years now. So it's gone way back from his rookie year. And I even mentioned an example in my article all the way on the bottom. And the whole reason why it's kind of fiery subject for me is because I hear a lot of people talk about how the Broncos are going to have to draft a wide receiver, which I am totally here for. I love You know how I love wide receivers. I would like to draft every great talent there is out there. The thing with this, though, especially with Broncos country, there's a lot of talented college wide receivers out there. That does not mean their talent is going to translate, especially in Denver. Because we, just with Jerry Judy as an example, this guy had over 1,400 receiving yards in Bama, won the Belentikoff Award, had 14 touchdowns, and look how we're treating him now, not giving him the ball. He was the 15th overall pick, and he had two catches. Two catches. I understand we won the game. That's fine. And he, I bet he would rather win games and not get the ball too because he's a winner and he's been like that, even at Alabama. But a 15th overall pick getting two catches is straight-out horse shit. It really is. It's really, really bad. And if you think any other college wide receiver that's just as talented is going to do better just because they're in Denver and stuff like that. And I get times have changed with Sean Payton. The offense is a lot different. So things are going to change going forward. But the talent that transfers over from college to the NFL is not that simple, especially in Denver, because we are getting a first-hand look at it right now that for some reason, one way or the other, for four straight years, he's not giving this guy the damn ball. And he has proven every single time when he's gotten the ball that not only is he really good, he's really good after the catch, he's really good at everything. I even did a comparison between Jerry Judy's stats and the stats of the best college wide receiver right now, Marvin Harrison Jr. They had identical stats, like to the T. Yeah. The people think of Marvin Harrison Jr., and I'm saying I would love Marvin Harrison Jr., and things might change if he was here, but I'm not expecting him. But that talent won't translate that that easy, at least to Denver. He'll thrive somewhere else, but for some reason right now, Denver is not the spot for, for wide receivers. That's what I'm trying to get to. 
wide receivers right now in Denver are, are not thriving one way or the other. I know Suns have been having good games every once in a while, but still, he's at like a 50 yards, 60 yards, 40 yards. He's living off the red zone. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just letting the fans know. Be cautious, be cautious with what you say. With, oh, we need to draft another receiver, get another receiver. The, right now, Denver's not a hot spot for receivers, one way or the other, and that needs to be fixed, and that's what I'm trying to get, get to. You're, I mean, you're 100% right. The, the thing that, like, really ticks me off is like you can't judge any you can't judge any usage of any players after a broncos win like if the broncos just like constantly keep winning close games and the browns game they kind of destroyed they destroyed the browns obviously one of our best wins of the season but what i'm getting at is like this is me after the chiefs game as well like we are critical of russ and it's like man you guys are negative you guys are so negative just enjoy the win like this team can be even better so you're telling me you would you would prefer Russ? You, you're telling me you would prefer Russ to miss an open Judy on third down, and the Broncos have to punt, but we win a game instead of us going up by even more points if we target Jerry Judy. Like I I, I just don't I don't understand it. You dra- this front office didn't draft Jerry Judy. Don't get me wrong. So they don't they're not entitled to you know use him to that 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 status that John Elway drafted him in the first round. But he's still a first round talent. You still have him on the roster for a reason. You're pay- I mean, let's be honest. He's getting like $12 million off that fifth-year fifth option So yeah. uh, next year. So, I mean, he's getting paid a lot. So why not use your your your, your playmakers? I understand, bro. I'm, I, I know what the majority of listeners are probably thinking right now. You guys need to stop being so negative because we, we won that uh, it's fine if Jerry Judy gets two catches, 11. Not, I, 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 just, I can't get with that. I can't get with that. I feel like this team could be even better. They start establishing their playmakers and getting them involved, rather than just constantly always running the ball and giving giving Corlinson always a little bit. Of, if it works, yeah, sure, that's fine. I like I said, I'm so I'm so down with the Broncos winning football games, and I, I just feel like it could be much more beneficial to this team down the road if they're not always putting the workload on certain players if they're not winning the game just one way because it's going to get predictable at some point so you have to get jerry judy established now that chemistry between him and russ still looks like the same it did at the beginning of the season if i'm being honest like they he never he's never his first read which i mean he's insane off the line of scrimmage so in my if i'm a quarterback if i'm russ i'm looking him at first read and I know there's certain plays that are designed to where it's not like that, but I feel like there should be. And if there is in the play deep in the playbook, why not pull them out when you're up on the on the Browns, like whatever the score was late in the game? So I understand you're running the football at that point, but I don't know. Just to me, it doesn't it doesn't sit right because I I swear to God I don't want to see the Broncos lose a game and you same people say, oh, why don't you get Jerry Judy involved? Exactly. <clears throat> You need to have that same energy if it's a win or a loss. I I, I just don't get yeah. it. This is this is why I've I was the same way with Russ. I don't care if we won twenty four to nine. There's still plays being left on the field, and I still feel like there's still plays being left on the field with Jerry Judy running butt naked wide open. But instead, we're punting. But oh, if we win the game, it doesn't matter. Like <coughs> I I just hope people will see this point. Yeah, and what people got to realize also. <clears throat> When you want to win the big games and even late in the playoffs or Super Bowls, you can't leave plays on the field. And that's just what it is. And you just constantly see with Jerry, Judy, Russ, they have no connection. I mean, like, you could even, without even seeing the full view of the field, you can literally see Jerry, Judy wide open and Russ, like, just not throw him the ball in short game situations. So I don't want to put it just on Sean Payton. But, but what Sean can do is call a play specifically for Jerry. 
and have Russ executed. I mean, it's ways around it, but I'm not going to put that all on Sean because there is, like I said, plays where there's even plays where Russ misses other guys wide open. Yeah. Um, but as far as Jerry Judy goes and everybody, when you when you win, there's flaws in when you win too. Like you can't just say, well, we won the game, so we, we can't critique anything. That's that's like Jordan said, that's horse shit. So you can't it, it doesn't matter. We're on a five, five, six game win streak, whatever the whatever it is, there are still being plays left on the field. And going into a game like Houston, where they run up the scoreboard, and I know our defense is playing really good, and I think they'll play really good this game. But you you can't leave plays on the field. You can't look at guys as wide open and just not give them the ball. And that, that's what happened to Jerry Judy. And I agree with Jordan with everything you said in the article and everything you just got through saying, Amir, too. Yeah, wide receivers just aren't a spot right now. I don't – and I think it's more of a Russ thing. I'm not saying Russ is the is a problem. Mm-hmm. It's just – I mean, that's that, that's been his whole career. He's never really had one – like a one receiver where he could rely on. Like, he's never been like a Drew Brees or a Manning or a Brady where they had the Wes Welkers and the Marcus Colstons and the Demarius Thomases of the world, Marvin Harrison and all those guys where they would go after the one – use their, their, their guy. Russ isn't that guy. And Sean Payton knows it. That's why he's having them share the ball around. But, I mean, it's just very unfortunate. And it's going to be – whatever they're paying them now and moving forward, like, it's going to be huge because I don't know if really – honestly, if Jerry Judy is going to be here next year just because of what – just because of what's happening to him on the field. The Like, getting two catches in a in, in a home game and you're like the wide receiver one you're, – you're co-wide receiver one, two catches, it is not like he's getting locked up. It's not like he's playing the top corner. Like he's he's got their the their third best corner on him because Denzel Ward's out, so yeah. And he even said, I mean, he's top ten in separation again this year. That he's top ten every year at this point. So that that's not the problem. The problem is not getting open. The problem is not drops because he he hasn't dropped the ball at all this year. Maybe one. So that's not a problem either. So what's the problem? So that that that's what that's what I'm kind of alluding to. And I'm not saying, since we're on this subject still, I'm not saying the Broncos should switch the whole game plan around, not run the ball, throw the ball 50 times. No, no, no. Russell should still only throw the ball 20 to 25 times. We should still run the ball 40 times, 39 times like we did last game. But instead of Samaj P. Ryan getting maybe five targets and Judy getting two, or Michael Burton getting one target, or Chris Manhurts getting like, Javante got six what, on Sunday. Yeah, like where where was the game? Like Judy was coming out of the backfield earlier in the season. Like against Miami, he was coming he was coming out of the backfield for like two or three plays. Against the Bears, he was out of the backfield as well. Like there's several ways you can use him and get him the ball. Even if Russ can't see him ten yards open down the field, you can get him where Samaje Piran usually gets his targets right next to Russ. Just let him go on a swing route. Something like that. Just get the ball in his hands. Don't switch the game plan wrong because that's fine. We have to limit what we have on offense. But that doesn't mean we don't get our best playmaker the ball because he's our best playmaker. And I'll argue that forever. Him and Mims are our best playmakers. Corlin Sutton is our red zone guy, and he's established that year in and year out. Even with his bad years, he still has established that. So it's it's just frustrating because – this offense is going to be a lot better, even though we've won five games in a row. And it might sound we're just being negative, but no, this offense has a really high ceiling, and this offense can be really good. 
It's just they need to figure out a way to get their best players involved more. Yeah, it's not even it's not even negative. That's the thing that everybody looks at it like that. It's it's guys, it's, it's not negative. It's it's knowing how your team can improve. This is and you you think we're being negative. I guarantee you this is what Sean Payton and other coaches and players are talking about in meetings and stuff. How can we get the, these guys involved? Sean Payton even said the other day we're going to get uh, Marvin Mims more involved and he's his catches have gone his targets have gone up a little bit the last 2 weeks. Yeah. Like these are things that they focus on in film rooms and everything. It's not like, "Oh, we won. Yay, we're out of the Texans. Let's start watching Texans film and not just watching our own film and seeing how we can prove." Like it's not how it works. It's they don't think like they don't think like the fans if we're if we're being honest so um and i i understand jerry judy does play a good role which i like he's a big distracting piece in that in that uh huge. in the bro huge distracting piece we saw a lot in the chicago game i remember jordan talked a lot about where Sutton, about it. yeah and and uh, mims were having uh mims had a few good receptions because jerry judy was a big focal point of you know those crossers that were taking out taking out certain parts of the defenses and leaving marv mims wide open like that's why he is so important to this team. So I think we do owe it a little bit to him to maybe make a Sutton a distracting piece or Marvin Mims a distracting piece and him get him the ball. So um yeah, I think that, that pretty much wraps up the Jerry Judy stuff. Um that that's just how we feel about that. I think he do, he does deserve a little bit more targets. Um, but at the end of the day, the team will come first. I do have to, you know, recap by saying that. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about our uh, main topic for today's episode our biggest winners over the, the broncos five game winning streak i'm gonna go ahead and start off we already talked about it a little bit Cortland sutton is uh really he's probably our best like leader in terms of like broncos for like the pro bowl voting like he he is really established himself in that race uh, the last five games he's had four touchdowns all coming in the red zone all of his touchdowns this year in the red zone incredible uh 285 yards during that five game stretch i mean he, he's just been incredible in the red zone um and even outside of the red zone like he made a few really good plays against the the vikings and the and the browns as well yeah Corlin Sutton. i can't really complain i mean just it's the same thing I say with the team, the whole elevation process that they've done. Corliss has been a huge part of that. Just, I mean, he's almost, I don't want to say unstoppable in the red zone, but it's like all they're doing is just throwing the ball to him and then the yeah. incredible catches. He's always making incredible catches, drawing pass interferences. I mean, he's been a, he's been Russ's go-to guy and I can't really complain about it because I mean, he's, 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 he's taking it on. Uh, For me, one of the heroes, I would say, I think you got to put PJ Locke in there, man. I think PJ Locke, I mean, a lot of people probably didn't know who he was. I know a lot of Bronco fans probably didn't really know too much about him. This dude is balling, balling. And you got everything that's going on with Kareem Jackson, the whole free K-Jack situation, all the suspicions. He's come in, and, and even when Caden got hurt early in the year, he's come in every, every single time he's on the field, he's making plays. He's really out to make a name for himself. And this is why we weren't worried about it. Like, we were like, yeah, it sucks to Kareem suspended, but we're like, as long as we got PJ, I think we'll be fine. And he's making plays all over the field, fumble recoveries, strip sacks, in game ceiling interceptions, and so on and so forth. He's been really excellent in coverage as well, too. And you can tell he's learned a lot from uh, Kareem and uh, Justin Simmons, too. And I'm not going to lie. I know we talked about what we're going to do with the safety position, but if PJ Locke continues to play as well as he's playing, we may not need – the Broncos may not go after a safety. He might be the guy. And I am not opposed to that at all. I would love it. So, yeah, P.J. Locke's my guy. 
Yeah, the, the way he's playing, I wouldn't mind him in the future being on this team, especially starting. I mean, he's been <laughs> causing uh, havoc out there. But uh, to Amir's point, I do have Corden Sutton as one of my five most impactful players. He was number one, actually, on my list. And then for P.J. Locke, I had him at five. The thing is, him and Justin Simmons could go either way on that just because Justin Simmons has been a big part as well with those interceptions in Buffalo and him just playing really well. But you just can't deny P.J. Locke as well. That's why I have them like both in my list, kind of, just because how good the safety room has been during this five-game winning streak. So, and you guys, I mean, you, you even made the point between Justin Sims and PJ Locke complimenting each other really well. So, I mean, those guys have been just awesome this uh, five games. PJ Locke, bro, the way he breaks on the ball just f- stands oh out on film. It's unbelievable. You he, he you watch the defense and he just stands out every single play. It feels like he. Yeah. I feel like he is that guy. He, he is that guy for the long term, uh, for sure. Um, have a lot of uh, a lot of um. You know, he, he's got a, he's got a promising career ahead of him. Even though he's twenty six, very very promising career ahead of him. Um, Next guy I want to talk about is uh, Jaquan McMillan. He's definitely a winner over the last five games. Um, he's locked in a starting slot position. He's actually been one of the highest-rated corners at his position in the NFL over the Bronco- Broncos' five-game winning streak. Uh, he has two interceptions, two PBUs, and a forced fumble during that uh, span. I mean, what else more can you say about the kid? He He's a gem, man. He's a, he's a gem. Yeah, he was my number. It was really a toss-up between him and PJ for my number one, but I ended up putting him at my number two. I think just because of what he's done. Like, I mean, you're talking about this dude came in, they basically threw him into the fire. We're a losing team, and he comes in, and he just, just, he just got straight dog in him. He just comes out. He He's a guy that sets the tone. Nobody really knows who he is. And I'm I'm really hoping he gets some recognition because his stats, and he's, he, I mean, he flies all over the field. He can play outside and the slot. A lot of people don't realize that, too. He's not a bad outside corner whatsoever, but he's really – He's been playing elite in the slot. Like, I know I don't throw that word elite around a lot, but he's been playing really elite in the slot. And he's been one of, like, that's why he's my second hero because this secondary, we all know, was historically bad through the first part of the season. And he's come in, and we're seeing a lot of what we're seeing, like, from last season with the secondary, and he's a huge part of that. I got Jaquan McMillan on my second spot as well. I mean, we started our winning streak, and it's not a coincidence that he was the one that kind of started it all once he started playing that very first uh, game when we won against the Packers. I mean, I think the biggest move out of them all was him playing and then Damari Mathis not. But, yeah, Jaquan McMillan, absolute stud. Uh, there could be a real argument that he's probably the number one most impactful player on this winning streak because that's how much he's changed the defense. But, I mean, he's at number two for me, but that still doesn't really tell the whole story on how impactful he is because he, he truly is, like, the number one guy. Man, the NFL is such a such an interesting thing because we go into the season with Caden Stearns, Justin Simmons starting. Uh, we thought K1 Williams was going to be starting a slot when he came back from yeah. IR. But now look, look at it. We got P.J. Locke and Jaquan Millen who might be getting big contracts to the Broncos in, in future years. Like that, that's awesome to see. That's they're, they're literally undrafted guys like that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Broncos. I don't know what they got like from the football gods, but they always are finding undrafted just freaking yep. dogs. Freaking dogs, man. These guys are 
really and the meta- mentality by the way mentality those guys bring has been so infectious to this team not only the defense but that rubs off on the sidelines and that's what that's what makes you win at 29 to 12 over the best defense in football that that, that you know those are the players that you want on your team so that's why another reason why just like off the field as well why they're such big winners um on the sidelines as well so next guy i want to talk about is also a, a big dog i mean he hasn't stacked up the stat sheet by any means but ever since he uh baron browning has came back the broncos are five and oh uh, as uh, Mario Vitanze has mentioned on Twitter, um, the Broncos, ever since he came back uh, in that Packers game, the Broncos have not lost with Baron Browning in the lineup. He has three sacks, two forced fumbles, a PBU in that span. Um, he immediately took over the starting job uh, in that Chiefs game, I believe, started getting a little bit more playing time over uh, Jay Coop and Nick Benito. Um, so he, man, we, uh, what are we to not talk about uh, You know, Baron Browning on this list? Because the Broncos can't lose with him, it seems. Yeah, it's really just his presence. And he's not putting up as many numbers as Nick Benito, but it's the constant pressure. And you can watch it on his tape. You it's not you just watch his technique. I mean, he's generating pressure, and that's the one thing. Everybody's going to look at the sack numbers and say, well, the Broncos are getting a lot of sacks, or this guy's not getting a lot of sacks. But it's just the constant, like, getting in guys' faces, putting them on the ground. And Barry Brown, and I'll be honest. I didn't think he was going to come back and retake his starting spot. I thought that Nick Benito and Jonathan Cooper were, were going to hold it down for major for like most likely the rest of the season. But I mean, you saw kind of a stretch where the pass rush was a little bit non-existent. And when he came back, I mean, he elevated it. So now we got a really solid rotation between the guys. And yeah, I can't really complain about Baron Browning, man. Like you said, he's come back and we haven't lost a game. So man, it's crazy that I don't have Baron Browning on my top five. It really is because. I literally talked about him when he came back saying he's going to change the defense around and he's done just that. But the player I replaced him with on my top five is just is Patrick Sertan. Uh, just because, I mean, he gave up, what, two receptions to Stefan Diggs or one reception, and then now he's doing this. I mean, he, he's just day in and day out, every single game, you can count on one player, and that's on PS2. And he's been the same player ever since. And even on this five-game winning streak, he somehow got more dominant. And his performances have just been ups- – I mean, Amari Cooper really didn't do much last game. We already talked about the Bills, the Chiefs. He had a great game <coughs> against the Chiefs, great game against, against the Packers. I mean, he's just had a really, really good stretch. So that's the only pair I replaced with Baron Browning. But, again, I am not mad Baron Browning's at any of the top five lists because, again, we've talked about it at length. He, he changes the defense with that pass rush. Dude, if 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 PS2 isn't in like they probably won't, they're probably gonna disrespect him again. But if he's not in like the top ten of the NFL top one hundred at the end of the year, it's completely bullshit. Like he, bro, what you're talking about, all the numbers you're bringing up, bro's giving up like zero and one catch per game, like against some really good receivers. Like, dude, yeah. we when's the last time we saw something like this? Like, when's the last time we saw a corner this like elite in terms of like lockdown coverage? Like, I, I'm genuinely like, asking. In- P, I think it was PJ when he came on the show. He said he can go down as one of the greatest corners to ever play, and I think he's on he track to be. You can make an argument. I mean, what he's doing, and I feel like nobody's nobody's talking about it enough, man. And that's crazy because corner is one of those positions where you get highly criticized and you get highly praised for it. But it seems like Patrick Sertan just to me does not get enough credit. I mean, it's like every single game. Like I'm fully confident now saying, oh yeah, whoever, whoever's on a pat, they're getting like one catch. Like, that's just – and it's been like that. It's been, it was like that last year, 
And even going to the season, I said, man, we got a tough schedule. I said, I even felt like, I was like, I feel like Pat's not going to take a step back, but I feel like he won't have an elite season like he's had, like, like he had last year in his sophomore year. He, he's even better. And it's, it's, it's not like he's playing scrubs. Like, in, 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 and the crazy thing is people say, man, DJ Moore going to tear him up. Look what he did to DJ Moore. Like, I'm talking about him on DJ Moore one-on-one coverage against Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs. Um, Amari Cooper had one catch on him. And Sertan actually let him have You watched the play. Sertan was like, he can have that little nine-yard catch. I don't even care about it. This dude, and it's like, he's not getting enough love for me, man. Like, but but I didn't put him in I didn't put him in my top five heroes because, I mean, he's been doing this for the last, ever yeah. since he's been a Bronco. Um, but one guy that I'm surprised y'all didn't have on there, which – it was really he, – he's at my five spot, but it's really a toss-up between him and Russ. And for me, it was Fabian Moreau. Yeah. Fabian Moreau, man, Bronco fans not showing him enough love. Came in after the DeMar, after the Damari Mathis debacle, came in and just straight up – I mean, he stepped up. Like I said, the guy came late in the preseason, and he's playing extraordinary football. He's one of them – same thing like McMillan, just a huge reason why the secondary is playing as good as it as, – as good as they are. I have no complaints with Fabian Moreau right now. He's going to be back on his team next season. And for a quarterback, too, alongside Pat, you you would have to be really elite and really good. And he's just – hey, he's answered the call, and I was not expecting that at all. So, Yeah, one more thing on, on PS2. I mean, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown already said that he's the best corner that they've ever faced. So that kind of says something when those two guys are saying something. But, Joe Burrow said it, too. Yeah. Gary Slay, too. So it's like it, – it's time that everyone knows that he's the best corner. Uh, in terms of Fabian Moreau, I, I would did not expect that coming. My last guy on my top five was not Fabian Moreau. It was actually a Quinn Miners just because he's been an absolute dog just this whole season. And especially on this five-game winning streak where we've pounded the rock more, you just see like three to five pancakes now every game. Uh, after the game on Twitter, you just see clips of him just absolutely dominating people and running them over and stuff. So he was my last guy, but Fabian Moreau is also a good pick too. Yeah, I mean, the O-line in general, I feel like, just deserves as a collective. I mean, they've only given up 14 sacks as a group in the last five games. And, I mean, let's be honest, the majority of those is probably just, like, dead sacks, like coverage sacks, Russ taking a few sacks. Uh, that's only 2.8 sacks per game. And then if you neglect uh, or take away the other ones um, that he, uh, Russ was taking sacks, this O-line has been elite. I mean, they they really have. I saw uh, Lloyd Kuchabay is the first um, the first best center in the NFL since week seven in terms of uh, pass blocking yep. efficiency. It's just ridiculous. Like, give them all pro already. Quinn Miners, too. Give them all pro. I mean, Qu Garrett Bowles, too, is playing really good. Like, Man, that, that's really gone under the radar, too. He could, he could, like, he could be in the hunt for, like, second team all pro. Garrett Bowles, he really could. Yeah, he's, man, what he did to Miles Garrett is still going unnoticed. Like, yeah, people are gonna say, "Well, Miles Garrett was hurt, dude." This dude is most likely gonna win Defensive Player of the Year. Like that, I don't. Yeah, his shoulder may have popped out of place, but zero sacks. Even before he got hurt, he wasn't doing anything. It was his worst shout game of the season. Shout out, shout out to Garrett Bowles, man. Yeah. Um, another guy I want to talk about. Uh, and by the way, you talk about uh, Fabian Moreau. I mean, landing himself that starting job. He may have single-handedly revived his NFL career in these last five games. Because I remember Giants fans were on his ass last year. They were on his ass because he he was getting he was getting cooked. I'm not gonna lie. But man, he what Vance Joseph has done with him this year. Man, kudos to him. It's, been, it's actually been pretty uh, pretty remarkable. Um, but last guy I want to talk about today's show uh, is Vance Joseph. I mean, I mean, come on. 
I know he's not he's not a player, but he is a big winner in this five game win streak. Um, we could talk about Sean Payton all day, but I just want to give Vance Joseph his flowers a little bit more. I mean, the defense is allowing exactly 16 points per game in the last five games. I literally chuckle list like hearing that. Like that's ridiculous. They have 15 takeaways defensively in the last five games. That is three per game. This is, I saw that uh, a stat showed this is our best uh, streak of takeaways since 2000 in this franchise's history. Like, this is better than the 2015 Broncos. Yeah. In terms of takeaways. Like, uh, I remember always seeing Chris Harris take it back for six. It keeps leave, take it back for six. But, hey, man, th- this defense is getting takeaways too. They might not always be scoring, but they're getting takeaways. So, okay. Vance Joseph. He deserves credit because he's putting these guys in positions to make plays. I still, I still like last night. I was, I was just thinking to myself, like, I genuinely like, I want to know what happened, like, behind the scenes from like constantly running guys 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage to now being like, in terms of the last five games, being a top three defense in the NFL. Like, it, it's been insane. Yeah, I don't know what it was. If I had to just pick something, I would say it was more of like Sean, Sean Payton and the players coming together and telling, like, look, man. We got the talent. Let's start. Let's start playing closer to the line of scrimmage, and let's start playing a lot of man coverage. I mean, that's something that I preached since the beginning of the, after the Raiders game in Week One that I felt like we should have been doing. And you know, he got a lot of the zone guys out of there and put some Fabian Moreau. Excellent. He's been excellent in man coverage. I mean, you saw especially we did in the Buffalo game and and this Browns game too. I mean, I think, but I I do want to give Vance Joseph some credit though. I'm not gonna just say it wasn't wasn't him because it takes for for a coordinator to receive the hate that he did. I mean, you yeah. had 70 hung on your head and to, 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 to keep your head up and turn the defense around and keep the guys motivated like he did, especially going one and five and the blames getting put on you. Hey, man, that takes a lot. Kudos to Vance Joseph because I know I was sitting up here to one of those people. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say he didn't deserve it now. I'm not going to say he didn't deserve it. but. Exactly. I was one of those people that was like, we got to get rid of Vance. Like, I don't think he knows what he's doing. How do you mess up this defense? And it's – and, yeah, like you brought up the 2015 Broncos, man, this defense is playing – like, I still don't think it's really getting talked about enough. I just feel like as a team we're not getting talked about enough, even on this winning streak. The defense is – how many turnovers is it? 16? Uh, 16 if you include the special teams yeah. takeaway. Man, like, that's ridiculous. And, and, and the thing is, it's not against, like – bad teams it's against really really good teams yeah. like buffalo minnesota kc cleveland cleveland i mean like they're kevin stefanski is still one of the best miles in football and we had him looking you you saw how the browns play but i mean shout out to vance man i mean during this five game stretch i think we allowed 80 points in total and yeah week three we gave up 71 game so i mean that's that's the improvement that is kind of mind-boggling. Yeah, just just ridiculous. And the crazy thing is, we still are running. We're still running like a lot of zone coverage too. So like a lot of the, it's it's a lot of like roster adjustment adjustments too. Like getting Damari Mathis on the bench, uh, Fabian Moreau stepping in, playing a big role. Jaquan McMillan, we talked about. Saying Bassey was not having a great uh, start to the season. I mean, there's a lot of uh, adjustments as well. The pass rush. I mean, Randy Gregory. The Broncos are five and zero since Randy Gregory and Frank Clark are gone. Hey, just saying, just saying, uh, they're out of here. We're winning all of a sudden. Would you look at that? They're they're supposed to be our like our not team captains, but they're supposed to be like big big voices for this team. Yeah. And I I remember we were raving about Frank Clark in the off season. He did not do crap in terms of production. So like at yeah, some either. point, it's like I don't know how far that you know his leadership really 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 went for this team. 
yeah, he didn't want to be here. I think that was the root of it. He came here because we offered him the money. And I feel like once he was like, we're losing, yeah, I'm not doing this. This isn't me. Then he tried to go back to KC and they didn't want him. And now he, where, where I don't even know where he's at right now. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The, the changes they made getting rid of him and saying Bassey and everybody, I mean, it's, hey, I'm not going to lie. It was some very, in, in benching also Mathis, it's just been, it's been like that answer to Bell too. And guys got healthier. Justin Simmons got healthier. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Hey, man, they answered the bell. For my last player, it was really a toss-up. I really didn't have Russ on this list. It was really a toss-up about him and Javante, but I'm going to go Russ just because the simple fact of the game winning drives, man. Like, those played a huge part on it. The game against Buffalo in Minnesota doing what he did, the and just, just the big-time throws in the red zone, like the one uh, in Buffalo and the one against Cleveland that just happened. I mean, Russ has been in – the biggest factor also is he's not turning the ball over. Like that's huge. He's not throwing interceptions. He's not making mistakes that that can make us lose these games. And that's huge because the defense is playing how they, how how we thought they were gonna play going into the season. And the only thing was can the offense just stick with it and everything. And rather than turning the ball over and we're and we're putting up points, I still think he's leaving some plays out on the field. But from the aspect of he's not losing us the game, and he's in when it's when it's on him to win the game, he's answered the call. So. For that, Russ is in my top five. I mean, what he did against Buffalo, Minnesota, and hey, man, I'm just I'm happy that we have him. I mean, I like the I like the Russ pick. I wouldn't have him in my top five, and I think I've said uh, enough about it. Uh, so I know I'm already gonna get heat for the Judy thing. So I'm not gonna try to get extra heat on myself for the Russ thing, but he has been playing uh, to his best, uh, especially that we're trying to match him as much as possible. That's what I will say about it. But, uh, yeah, he hasn't done anything to uh, hurt the team. That's what I will say. Yeah, I see there's a bit of a discourse on Twitter this morning about uh, Russell Wilson being a game manager and all that stuff. I, I personally I kind of disagree with it all. Um, but he, I, I, did have, I do have him on my list, though. Eight touchdowns, no interceptions in the five-game winning streak. Yes, bro, his red zone this season, 17 touchdowns, no interceptions. No fumbles either. In the red zone, he's just like like nobody does it better than yeah. him. So because of that, that we're putting points in the board, we're winning games. So I do have to highly acknowledge Wilson for that, and you do have to put him on the list because uh, the, the Broncos are winning games, scoring points because of that. And so, I mean, obviously you would like to see more points off takeaways. That that really sucked to be honest. But um, man, besides that, uh, he has he has been really really special in the red zone, and also like he's on the run, like escaping plays. Those aren't like Sean Payton stuff. That's just Russell Wilson working out his vintage Seattle Russell Wilson type, you know, play. So, yeah, and real quick, I want to say I think Russia start keeping those balls on the read options too, man. Some of those I feel like he he should keep, yeah. Because I mean, we saw like this, and I felt like that kind of the whole season. I'm like, he's just handing it off. I'm like, man, when he like if he keeps it, I'm like, he's got a first down easy. And you saw that kind of this weekend, Sean Payton drove some plays for him to run. I want to see that moving forward, especially this week, because the Texans, they're, they're kind of scra- – their defense is a very scrappy defense. I feel like you can kind of get them off their game a little bit if Russ, if Russ starts running. That is going to be for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys listen on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe. Help us get to 2,000 subscribers. Plenty more episodes coming this week as the Broncos are going to be taking on the Houston Texans on Sunday. Hope to increase our win streak to six straight. Uh, if you guys are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, please do the same over there as well. Um, you know, Hit the five-star rating, follow button, turn notifications on so you never miss an episode of the Broncos Avenue Podcast. But with that being said, I'm your host, Amir Farrell. 
with my co-host Jordan Mackey, a.k.a. J-Mac and Jordan Lopez. Till next one, peace. Peace out, y'all.